Hi, welcome to Pineapple Reels. I'm your host, Nia. And today I'll be covering 2019 Waves by Trey Edward Schultz. Now, I recorded this before the holiday in December with my friend Kevin. And Kevin was, mm, for a lack of better words, inebriated a little bit <laughs> when we recorded this. So with that and him being over abroad and not having the best Wi-Fi connection, this isn't the best recording, but we tried our hardest to push through and I did my best to gather what I could with what we had with over two hours of content. So um, it's a little bit different, but you know, it's COVID and we have to work with what we got. So this is what I got. <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And for the three week hiatus that I was on with being on vacation and uh, unfortunately having to have all my wisdom teeth extracted, that was so super fun. Um, I will definitely be bringing out more content. So expect two episodes a week coming up just to make up for the lack of time. Stay tuned. The synopsis for Ways via IMDb is... It traces the journey of a suburban family led by a well-intentioned but domineering father as they navigate love, forgiveness, and coming together in the aftermath of a loss. Set against the vibrant landscape of South Florida, Waze is a film that will stay with you long after viewing. We follow Tyler and his family and see how one mistake can ripple, causing destruction and dismay. Starring Sterling K. Brown, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Alexa Demi, Taylor Russell, and Kelvin Harris Jr. <laughs> Alrighty, so today we're going to speak about the movie called Waves that came out in two. 2019 and my guest today is kevin he is a bit of a nomad he is working right now abroad in egypt kevin how's that treating you so far it's pretty cool i'm digging egypt uh i'm in the sinai area on the red sea so sort of like a resort town beach town lots of tourists very multicultural very chill missing austin though for sure Oh, Austin misses you too as well. Specifically, Miss Nia. I forgot to mention that. Uh, <laughs> oh, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> now, you said that uh, regarding waves that you saw it on the plane right there, ironically. Yeah, I watched it on the plane on the way to Egypt. And this must have been like in the middle of the night. And. Uh, had the whole road to myself, but it was a very, uh, yeah, it's a very intense movie. And, uh, everybody on the plane, well, at least next to me was kind of looking at me weird. Cause I was like, you know, my drop, my jaws dropping or she's going down and I'm, you know, they can see that I'm a little antsy or whatever. <laughs> I forgot yeah, that I was on a plane. Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. Your mind was like burnt. Okay. Well, that's fine. I got you. 
I thought it was an incredible film film? because I had seen his other movie, It Comes at Night, and um, was really impressed by that. I haven't seen Krisha yet, but Waves definitely took me on a ride because I didn't know where it was going to go. And halfway through the movie, it kind of switches tones. But I think it deals with a lot of important subjects and subjects that a lot of people can understand about father and son relationships and and masculinity and how it can drive people too far and people's egos, you know, being blown out of proportion and then your actions rippling through families and and stuff like that. So it kind of dealt with a lot of things surrounding family and growing up and pressure and all that. So I found it very relatable. And I think a lot of, you know, aspiring athletes and, and you know, student stars can relate with this film. What about you? Overall, I liked it. I I broke it down into two acts. Act one is focusing on Tyler in the beginning, and then Act two focusing um, on his sister. Um, her name is Emily in this movie, and I preferred Tyler's act only because I felt like we got more time to know him as a character and understand why he's doing what he's doing or saying what he's saying. We kind of empathize a little bit more with his character. So overall, I, I do like it. I like the dynamic of family. I like that they're showing a strong African-American family with a strong parental unit and the father, a mother who is a smart, educated woman who is a doctor. Um, I, I like that. I like that they're showing the togetherness. Uh, they also show, you know, the, the first like nine minutes of the movie, there's not much dialogue. And I like that they're showing you, you know, how his day-to-day life is, but also how the family comes together and how the father in particular makes that shift to make sure that his family has a strong base of togetherness. Um, I really like that. I thought that 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 was very important. And I feel like that was um, very, uh, very, very strong throughout, especially in in the beginning. But overall, I liked it. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of the second act. Uh, it felt like a lot of filler um, and it was a lot different than the beginning but kind of mm-hmm. talking about what you said um, when you said rippling effect I think right, that was right. the point of Tyler is this hard wave crashing in and his sister Emily is more of like once that, that hard wave is done and calm and it's just like you know like uh-huh. kind of going up and down on the coast kind of just brushing against the sand I thought maybe that was what the director was going for of the calm right, right. after this big raging storm that, that just and happened it's not and like building his and building and building part of the story just, um, Tyler's story didn't have those calm moments either you know you know all the nice moments between him and his girlfriend and then all the bad moments all the nice moments between him and his dad and all the bad moments you know everything like we said before this theme of waves and water um, is prevalent throughout the whole film. So 
I heard somewhere that the director was influenced by Blonde, the the Frank Ocean album that recently came out, or not recently, but a few years ago, and it makes a cameo in the film too. But he was influenced by the dichotomy of of Blonde and what Frank Ocean was doing, juxtaposing yeah. two different emotions and how the songs played after each other, coming in waves and all that. And I see what you're saying with, you know, the masculine and the feminine energy between the two halves. And I think it's, I like the fact that it took a left turn in storytelling. I like the fact that it didn't try to show everyone all at once and left like the first section specifically for Tyler and the father. And then the second half for, I think it's Emily and then Luke and then the stepmom. It just made it easier to like follow what he was trying to say. Cause I think mm-hmm. if you tried to have all these plot lines going on all at once and like trying to give them the equal amount of time I don't think it would have the same kind of impact that it did do you know what I'm saying no because I, I, I feel like not all directors know how to focus on a character enough where you can you know get to know who they are as a person and, you know, have feelings about this person, actually care. So I like what uh, what Trey did mm-hmm. in this movie of, like you're saying, making it where they feel like real people that you know. Like the amount of time we spend focusing on Tyler and seeing how he relates to his mother, father, sister, friends, girlfriend, we're seeing it from his point of view. And then I like how we get to flip it for everybody in that family, whether it's for a brief moment or a a longer period of time, we get to see how they react and their emotions and and how they are. Like we we get a little bit of the mom. It's not too long, but we get a little bit of how the mom, how she's feeling after all this stuff has happened um, in act two. Mm -hmm. And we get to see her more of her like humanity side, not her, you know, sweet, bubbly, happy mom all the time. They make her more human and let her be vulnerable, and they let her be angry and confused. And I really liked it. And the same with the father, you get a moment to see, like, you know, him kind of being like, where did I mess up as a father? That we're at this point right now where I can't help my son. And I thought I did a good enough job where this wouldn't happen. So, I, and then you have, like, the broken sister of, like, you know, I mean, as I think so I like that he kind of, like, let I, everybody get their moment. I think he also did that because um, it also mirrors the fact that the father only places the attention on the son and never on the daughter, right? There's that scene in the second half near the end where um, the stepmother, uh, I can't remember her name, but she's yelling at him and they're uh, they're in the bedroom and she's like, you know, you never gave a shit about her always pushing uh, Tyler, never focusing on your daughter. And he's using, now he's using his daughter as an excuse to try to pull the family together. And so I think it's an artistic choice too. 
emphasizing the fact that he never paid attention to his daughter and he's showing showing he's choosing to show us by focusing the first hour on just the son and the side characters who then later on become the main characters finally come out and share their story because it's not just about one person and i think that really drives home his point and what he's trying to say is that you know you can't forget about everyone else around you even though you're trying to what you're trying to do pushing your son means well you kind of get lost in this egotistical pursuit okay so out of out of the we're gonna say we're gonna say part one and part two so part one is gonna be focusing on tyler of course and part two will be focusing on emily which part did you prefer and why uh prefer i think i preferred the second half the first half i really enjoyed because it was doing all the the setup and it contained the climax and all that but the second half felt more um i guess poignant you know it really drove home the point of the first act and it drove home the point of of what waves is about you know that's what i felt at least what about you i i preferred the first act just because i felt like i don't know i i I, maybe i relate more to or not relate but i just like the raw emotion you know to to for a moment i forgot that this is a movie that these are actors it's not a real situation because I just for I just forgot where it was at <laughs> because the acting was so was so good to me. Um, he did a he did a what's his name Kelvin Kelvin Harrison did a really good job of of embodying this role as Tyler, and I felt his pain. It's just like a it must suck that you're this teen athlete that can't perform the way you want to. Mm-hmm. Then you have the the you're personally struggling with your with your girlfriend because they all have a situation. And it's not going the way you want to. It's not going the way she wants to. You don't want to lose her, but you don't know what you're supposed to do. And then you you feel like you can't talk to your friends about it or you can't talk to your family about it. So you're kind of stuck as this internal battle, you know, and then on top of this regular teenage bullshit that he's going through and all that's happening at one time. So it's like we're essentially watching a ticking time bomb. It's only a matter of time before it actually happens and who mm-hmm. who gets that wrath it, it, it was undetermined because she just it just happened to be her his girlfriend that could have easily been his father or that could have very easily been his stepmom because the stepmom was kind of like yes he loves his girlfriend as his stepmom and his dad but his stepmom was more of the easier target of losing her love won't affect him as much as losing the love of his girlfriend or losing the love of his father so I just liked that first act because I felt like it was just like it was uh, a little bit like it was, it was action, it was anticipation. Like my palms are kind of sweaty watching uh-huh. it. Like, right, right. What right. is he doing? You know, he's like you know darting here and there, popping pills, drinking, and I'm like, yo, like you need to calm down. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you're not aware of what's that going first on half right is now. A roller coaster ride, and it has to has a lot to say about. Um, 
about masculinity and how we push, you know, young men. I mean, there's that whole scene before his, uh, I think, first wrestling match, or I think his second, when he after he learns that he's got a bad shoulder, where they're in the, the locker room and they're all screaming like, you know, I'm a machine. And uh, yeah. I forgot what the poster says in the back, but it says like uh, something about some like regret, something about uh, pride is forever or something like that. It's very like arrogant and and egotistical and, you know, me, me, me. And, you know, all these yeah. things are out of his control, right? the fact that his shoulder is really fucked up and then he keeps pushing it or his girlfriend gets pregnant, which was his fault for being reckless, but he's also a teenager, but he's also being fed these, these uh, ideas that he can do anything that he's more than mortal, that he's like a God or some shit. And then the climax comes and you find out he's, as vulnerable and as fragile as any other teenager, you know? Yeah. Which which I like, I like that. I like that they showed like this, you know, stereotypical macho, strong, jock character. At the end of the day, he's still a teenager that has emotions and is not processing them well. And he's having a moment. And like, I wanted to highlight on, so I was thinking when I, when I watched the movie the first time, I was like, as a parent, what could they have done to help their son more? You know, did he ask for help, whether he screamed it or he said it quietly? And he did. It was something very small. And his dad's disrespect or him being ungrateful for his situation. When in reality, as a father, he needs to be humble in that moment and say, okay, you're saying you're dealing with a lot of stuff. So, yeah, so is everybody else, me and your mother. But what are you dealing with? Maybe I can lighten your load. What's your burden? Right, right. And that could have been the opportunity for him to be like, you know what, Dad, I think I'm depressed. Or, you know, my girl, I got my girlfriend pregnant because we decided not to be abstinent. Like, you know, and the father may have been upset, but I'm sure he would have been like, you know what? It takes a lot for you to tell me what's going on in your mind right now because you're worried I might judge you. So big ups to you for doing that. And especially with how, like, this generation, a little bit of our generation, we're more open to our emotions and talking about it, you would think that the director would have swung that way a bit more, in particular for the dad to talk to him, since they are so close. But maybe he left that on purpose of, that's a little bit of his father's past coming up of, you know, he did mention, like, I didn't have the same opportunities as you. So his dad might come from that slightly boomer generation of if you're not working your ass off, you're not doing enough, you know? Well, I think, I think that's, that's exactly the point he's trying to drive home. You know, if he did swing the other way and they did talk about the feelings and being open with your parents, I don't think it would have driven home the point as much. You know, I think the film is trying to show that the consequences are grave if we keep pushing our children in this direction and keep feeding them these lies and keep telling them that they can be whoever they want if they just keep going without actually confronting their own issues instead of 
just keeping it inside and dealing it with yourself, right? And I think that's the that's what the second half accomplishes, is that the dad does end up opening up to the daughter. He does end up opening up to the wife and saying, like, yeah, I did I did fuck up and I did push him and I did do really terrible things. But you know, those things have been done and we can only look forward and hopefully that changes. Right. I think he was right in the moment and he did what he wished that someone would have done for him at the time when he was mm-hmm. that age you know right. I think it's a thing of a, of a lot of parents is you know when I was your age I had this opportunity and I messed it up and it's like right but maybe you should have took that opportunity and for me I'm not on that level where I don't want to be and I shouldn't do it say who's right and who's wrong and that's what Um, so I want to go back about his um, shoulder. So Tyler is a minor. Um, and as we learned, he's, it's only his junior year or so in high school. So why do you think the doctor didn't notify his parents of his extremely fatal injury? You think uh, the doctor was wrong by not saying something? Yeah, I think that just might have been a plot hole, you know, or because usually he probably sent them him home with a note. Or something. Tell your parents this. But he probably didn't give it to them. But I do find it strange that he didn't phone the parents or something. Because that was a school doctor, right? No, that, that, was, was... that was a real doctor. Like a real doctor's office. And <laughs> you're allowed to talk to the parent, obviously. He's not... He, he Well, I'll say this. He kept saying school next year, right? Meaning he's still in high school. But later we learned... And he doesn't have a birthday that we see... But when him and his stepmom get in an argument and she's like, you can't go, he's like, I'm 18, you can't stop me. So if he's 18, when he went to the doctor on the technicality, if he was 18, the doctor can't tell his parents anything and that is up to him to do himself. But the parents uh, were talking and it was muffles, like it was like through a wall, like this is Tyler hearing them talking. And uh, he said, why did the doctor tell me, tell us? And Catherine said to him, the doctor, when she called, when she spoke to the doctor, the doctor said, Tyler wanted to tell y'all himself, and so I allowed him uh, to do that. It, it's it's very muffled. I mind you, I watched this like two or three times, so I listened on purpose a little bit harder. But the doctor says that. But even then, still, this is a major injury, you know. And he's he is still in high school. I I feel like. Do Do you think that kind of played a played a part in Tyler's downfall? The doctor not bringing that to his parents' uh, knowledge earlier. Uh, I do, but I also think maybe the 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 reason he the doctor didn't call the parents directly was because he felt like he could trust Tyler. He probably saw Tyler as like a responsible, studious young student and would make smart decisions. But you know, guess what? He's not. He's just like every other teenager wants to win. You know, I did that. I did that when I was a kid. I took Taekwondo lessons. I had just gone from white belt to yellow belt. And then I had a tournament next week. And then my teacher says, don't wear the yellow belt because <laughs> you're not ready. Guess what I did next week? <laughs> you really I fucking wore the yellow belt. I got roundhouse kicked in the fucking face and ro- ripped open the insides of my mouth. And I didn't go back. 
Dang. Never went back to class, <laughs> you know? I must have been, I can't remember. But yeah, I had stitches in my mouth and everything. You learned a hard thing. So that's, yeah, that's just, and that wasn't even, that, was, that wasn't even my dad pushing me. That was just me saying like, fuck it, I can do it, you know? Right. It's just kind of in us. It's kind of in men, I will say. Just the impulse to just not listen to authority. Yeah, especially as a teenager, you want to defy it all the time for whatever reason. Yeah. Like some little voice telling you, just just do it. It'll be fun to do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I still have that voice in my head, and I still don't like it when people tell me what I can and can't do. Yeah. But I guess I'm a little bit more cautious these days. Yeah. So what did you think of uh, Tyler's home life? Like, how would you sum up his home life? It seemed like a very stereotypical American teenager, you know, home life. Definitely not my home life, you know, but I definitely knew a lot of students in high school that had a very rigid schedule, had a lot of extracurriculars, were pushed very hard, you know, had families and parents that meant well, but, um, and, you know, I knew a lot of kids who were like that and also doing drugs, doing lots of Adderall and and partying hard on the weekends. But I do think it's a very, uh, not a very good uh, adolescent uh, lifestyle to have, where there's just so much on your plate all the time. And the only way you can de-stress is by waiting for the weekends to go to this party, get really drunk, you know, and then repeat this crazy-ass school schedule, wake up at, like, 6 o'clock, go to school, study after school, do extracurriculars, come home, do homework, talk to your friends, yeah. talk to your parents, eat dinner, prepare for the next day. Like, that's some fuller schedule than I think most adults have it definitely is and it's kind of more like a schedule of someone who's like a college athlete and you know what i mean like they're studying in school and, and they're yeah. doing football or something so like to do it in high anybody who's doing a sport in high school and they'll still worry about their grades it's a lot and i'm not talking about the ones that like the teacher will give you a, a whatever grade you ask for i mean like the ones that are like actually trying their best and they date you know they have parents like like parents they're like, no, I'm a doctor. Your dad's a contractor. You got to be smart. We don't. Right. We don't want a kid that's not gonna listen. You know. It's. I was amazed at the kids who could do that, and I knew I knew several of them, who were, you know, there were the popular girls, the popular guys, um, who did who were great at the sport that they were playing, lacrosse or football or basketball. But they also got like straight A's and had A's and B's, did all the clubs, got into good high schools. But, you know, they partied hard on the weekends and they were also pretty cool people and very chill. But at some point, like, you got to crack. Yeah. Or you, you've got to be okay with this person who just does things and doesn't really have a personality or an identity or anything. You're just kind of like this. Uh, machine who just 
who just goes to class, memorizes things, writes stuff down, and you don't really cultivate an identity outside of the academic world. Yeah, like all you Except are. Except that you like to party. Yeah. All you are is uh, the sport you're in and, and getting good grades, and that's about you're just like kind of drifting by. Or maybe that's just me sounding. That's just me who's just a different type of person, and I don't know the joys of that kind of lifestyle. But to me, that doesn't seem like a way to spend your youth. No, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. Like my my brother was like this really big deal in high school uh, as a football player. He was a I mean this amazing quarterback. He was he was on varsity every year um, of his four years in high school. And it's just like it's like a lot of pressure, you know what I mean? They're they're putting this a, a, a immense amount of pressure on these teenagers who are still navigating the world themselves, and they have whatever home life situation like. Tyler didn't have that issue. Like he didn't have a hard home life situation. Luckily for him, right? So even still, we still see that he still has hardships, and he's still going through. Like we said teenage bullshit. There's always some kind of teenage bullshit that every teenager must go through. It's just like a rite of passage of some kind. It's just that in Tyler's situation, his teenage bullshit turned into some heavy real life shit that ended up costing him years of his life unfortunately yeah I mean all those things were out of his control and he was never in control I did kind of want to go in, in, into that so like with with Tyler's drug use it's not it's not all of a sudden it's, it's very casual you know it starts with taking one or two of his dad's pills and then, you know, no one really notices at first until his dad kind of steps into his stepmom. But, you know, he and oh, no, that's actually actually that's that's what I'm going to ask. So when it's, once his dad asks about his pills, Tyler kind of, you know, I believe I guess I like, gets privy to it. And he knows the doctor told him that he should not do anymore. And he still pushes through. And doesn't meet, and he, mm-hmm. he hurts himself. Now, do you think he hurt himself on purpose to get medication, or do you think he hurt himself accidentally, thinking, "Oh, whatever, the doctor doesn't know my body. I know my limitations." I th- I don't think he hurt it on purpose. Like I said before, I think it's just that he thinks he's he's more than human. He thinks he's beyond biology. You know, he's fed, he's also fed this pressure by his father that, you know, you're not afforded the luxury of being average because you're a black kid. You know, you have to succeed. And thus, that also means that anything that's in your way, including your biology, doesn't matter. If there's a will, there's a way and nothing can stop you. And that was the problem. You know, when you're fed that, when you're 17, 18, you know, you think you're hot shit. You think you're hot shit when you're that age. You think you know everything. Yeah. And so what are you going to do? You're going to go for it, right? You're young. You're young and you're healthy. So, you know, your body, you you, you uh, rationalize that if I'm still young and everybody says that you should take advantage of your youth and while you're healthy that your body can recover quicker and can handle more pressure. Sure. I, I would probably do the same thing to be honest. Okay. 
So I want to talk about Alexis, his girlfriend. Um, how do you think he handled the situation with Alexis, starting with her? Cause she 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 tells him about two times, like, "Hey, I think something's wrong. I haven't gotten my period." He's kind of like, "Uh, okay." And she tells him to a second time. He's kind of like, "Oh, this again? Like, um, all right. Like, what are we gonna do?" And then cut to they're at the, they're at an abortion clinic, and she she's for abortion. Um, so how do you how do you think he handled the situation initially with her? Uh, I don't know. I think at that age and dealing with thinking about having kids and what kind of decisions you have to make, I think there's almost zero chance that any decision... I I think there was zero chance of any teenager in their situation solving it in a very smart way because he's under a lot of pressure to succeed and now he's thinking that I have have to stop what I'm doing and raise his kid or I can pressure her into getting an abortion but you can't control what other people want right so it's just he's losing he's losing control over his life and so what are you gonna do when you're you know hormone filled teenager you're just gonna rage out i think that's the probably the best that's the only option he had and that was the the, the out of all the options that i could see him executing i think that was the only option that he could have done do you think he- I don't think I could have seen him like sitting down and like having a a conversation with all the parents together. I it just makes sense for that character. Do you think he was uh that he overreacted to her when they were driving back from the clinic? Like she just thought, you know, like, hey, probably probably partly due to the uh protesters and like all the pressure she's going through and i believe her character was supposed to be catholic i think there was something in the house that represented that when we looked we saw um, her house but you know all those things together obviously like making her second guess what she's doing making her want to be like i don't think i can do this and she runs out i get that he's upset he's thinking about everything he's losing but him reacting the way of screaming at her and cursing her out, do you think that was appropriate for him or do you think he was just dialed up way too intense? Uh, I think it's a shitty thing to do. It just shows that you you really don't have control over your emotions, you know, when he thinks that he has control over his life. But I think what you're asking is, in a real life situation is what he did wrong or right. I think what he did was wrong. In the movie, I think it makes perfect sense. Do you get what I'm saying? I think you're, I think I get what you're saying because he's a teen his character and because he's a teenager and because he's going through all this other stuff and this is just like the cherry on a shit Sunday and he's like, I can't deal with any more stuff right now. I need this one little thing done like i thought we agreed that it would be done like compounding compounding things that make it more difficult for him to succeed right 
it's another nail in the coffin. First is the shoulder, then it's all the pressure, then it's this abortion thing. And, you know, if you're going to have a kid, that's 18 of your 18 years of your life spent on somebody else, not on yourself. And when he's so close, you know, to being the best and all these things happen at once. Yeah, I'd probably lose my shit, too. Yeah, it was a lot. He goes through a lot. Now, um, ultimately, who do you think is to blame for Tyler's actions? Because before this big incident happened, multiple people tried in their own way to stop him. You know, he's driving around town after their fight. He's driving around town looking for him. The mom, she's calling around town, calling friends and family, family friends as well. Of like, hey, have you seen Tyler? I'm looking for him. You know, the sister, she's drunk. But she sees her brother kind of wander off and she literally tells her dad, you know, like, I wish I would. I could have stopped him. It's my fault this happened. I could have stopped it. And the dad, you know, tells her, obviously, like, hey, it's not your fault. But everybody kind of, whether they feel like they're to blame or they are to blame, do you do you personally think that there there is a person or persons that are responsible for his actions? Or is it solely only Tyler's fault for everything that transpired that night? No, I think everybody's everybody's responsible there's no way you can pin all the res- all the all the blame on just tyler because tyler wouldn't be tyler if it weren't for his dad his stepmom his sister his friends you know ultimately it you know the decision came down to him right and he made the wrong decision but to be honest a, a lot of factors go into who he is as a person. And I think the, the biggest factor is his father and the pressure that he puts on him. Because, you know, his, his stepmom and his sister try to be compassionate and be very supportive, but ultimately it's the dad who's uh, uh, has the most influence on his son. And, you know, you don't expect things to go south that fast. You know, you don't you don't expect things to go that uh, that wrong either. You expect your kid to be, you know, maybe be a little rebellious and not listen to you and shout at you and all that. But you don't expect them to go out and accidentally kill their girlfriend who's pregnant. That you had no idea about. Yeah. No, it's. It was wild. So I wanted to break down like Tyler's downfall, we'll call it his true official downfall that last night, that last night, that last night of freedom. freedom. And this is how it just kind of like nosedive into a what the fuck just happened? How are we here right now? Why is he running down the street kind of thing? So it's prom night. And I, I, I want to also talk about like how social media takes a heavy plays a heavy part in this too so Tyler's not supposed to go to prom he's grounded and he's scrolling social media and he's seeing Alexis having you know a really good time at prom with her friends she's dressed up she looks great you know they're supposed to go together now if he she's with another dude yeah he doesn't know who this guy is he's upset you know, so like there, these are all these little things that are like nicking at him and he's seeing Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook of 
her having this grand time and he doesn't like it. If I'm sitting here in pain, you should be in pain. You know, you're doing things and we're not supposed to do that right now. We're supposed to be doing it together. And it just shows that like how social media in particular for these younger teenagers plays such a big deal on their emotions and how they, you know, their, their actions. You know, if he didn't see that on his phone, he would have never left in the first place. He would have just stayed at home. But him seeing that kind of, you know, triggered him into, oh, no, I'm going to go up there and I- I'm going to talk to her. She won't listen to me. She's going to block my phone calls and text messages. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to see her. So what what were you thinking when you were, as you were watching, you know, this, I won't say slow burn, but his demise unfold. How were you feeling when you were watching it? I mean, I think that that section of the film was done very well where it's, you know, a lot of fast edits and he's scrolling through this Instagram feed and it's jumping back and forth between him and his room and Alexis actually out doing those things. And of course you're left wondering as you're watching it, you know, what the fuck is about to happen? And up until this point, you kind of know his character and what he will do or what he can do, but you don't expect it to go that far. Uh, you don't expect him to go that far, right? You expect him to like maybe have an argument and like, you know, ruin the party or whatever. But as he's, you know, getting in the car and then fighting with his dad and all that, and then the, the, the mom is calling all these different people it's all foreshadowing like, oh shit, all right. They know that he's capable of doing really terrible things. And they're also worried for him and for other people. And so they basically got the whole town looking for him, you know? Yeah. And it's it it was really intense when he shows up at the house and the house is lit up red, like the whole scene is red. So it feels like he's entering hell, you know, like shit is about to go down. He's going to, you know, either burn this place down or someone's going to die. Right. Yeah. And then eventually the deed happens and he's left running away from the cops. Yeah, I the end to me, it, I know this film's not an action film, but it definitely has thriller aspects. What is that? Sorry, like my neighbor. It, it, it just scared me. That someone was like in my house. It was be like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll call you back. Um, dang it, I lost my place. Um, yeah. So this this last like act like scene that we see before you know Tyler goes to jail, it felt like an action movie. You know, like it was just like hot. It, it was very intense for me. My heart's beating. My hands are. My palms are kind of sweaty. I'm like, yo, what's about to happen? You know, and I, but I thought what was going to happen was going to be public. I thought it would have been made a spectacle in the middle of the party. Maybe she tells him off and he might scream F you in front of everybody or something like that, but not this extreme. Because usually when you see, whether it's in a movie or real life and it's domestic violence, there's like, you know, small hints of it before it, it gets really big. And with them, it was verbally... They they said things to each other they shouldn't have, cursing each other that each other out. He called her out of her name, you know, when she decided not to get the abortion, and that was crazy in itself. But 
he didn't put his hands on her. And I don't believe in that scene. She put his hands on him. So in the garage, she she hit him a couple. She hit him a few times. I believe she she slapped him twice and pushed him. I believe he pushed her. But you know, Tyler is on all this on on all these pills. He's drunk. He's also been smoking. So he has so many things inside him right now. He's not knowing right now his strength. You know, so he hit her with such force. You know, and 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 her cra- literally crashing to the ground, knocking her head on concrete. You know, in an instant, now his life is completely changed for the worse. When it could have just been, I'm gonna be a father, and I gotta figure out how to deal with this because, like she said, like this is my body. You can't tell me what to do. He could have tried to approach it differently, or been like, you know what? Let me think. You know, this is a lot for me as well. But he didn't convey that because not him as a person. He doesn't talk to people when he needs to you know like he breaks down to his sister when she found him in the bathroom throwing up and he kept saying sorry to her he can't he doesn't have it within him to come to someone for help when he needs it you know he he kind of like shows flashes of it but he won't directly ask for help and so so seeing his downward spiral it was really hard because it's like you know something bad is about to happen but you're not sure how bad it can get you might think it's just gonna be some high school fight whatever cool but for it to go from maybe a high school fight to now his girlfriend's dead and he's gonna be you know live he's going to probably go to jail for murder it's crazy and the fact that he flees is another thing of you know what f this i'm gonna i'm gonna book it like no one saw his face <laughs> So many people saw his face, but he decides I'm gonna run home, get my shit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go wherever. It it was, it was kind of sad. I mean, he's a he's a very impulsive character, right? Yeah. He's he's an athlete, so he's kind of in tune with his body. Or at this point, he's out of tune because he's been popping pills and drinking all night, and so he has no other. It's just instinct at that point, you know. You're angry at somebody. What are you gonna do? You're probably gonna fight them, even if it's your girlfriend or or whatever. But you don't know, you don't know your own strength because you're just lashing out at this point. No. Um, and it's it's really sad to see him go down that route, especially because you are rooting for him, but he's just been making all these bad decisions uh, for basically his whole storyline. You know, yeah. Now, obviously, there's there's usually a point where you can tell yourself, or we as an audience can see, like that was the last time you could have just walked away. So, where do you think? Because I have my idea where I think it was at. Where do you think Tyler should have walked away? What was his last moment of? You can still get out of this, and all you did wrong was yell at your parents and push your dad. You can still cu- cu- get that fixed. In that last like montage, or in that like last uh, uh, twenty minutes of his uh, story, like that last, or you mean in the that story? Where like okay. where do you think was the last time where it was like, hey, if you stop right now, if you weren't stop too, scrolling Instagram, too terrible. <laughs> if he stopped scrolling Instagram and he stopped popping pills and he stopped drinking, yeah, I think he could have avoided that. But you know. To be honest, I feel like he could have. Yeah, I don't know where he could have 
uh, stopped it. I think he could have just, he could have like broke down and talked to his parents, but I don't think that's going to happen if you're drinking and on oxy and then you're, you have all this pressure built up. Like you're not going to just release it and then talk about it. You're going to release it and fucking blow off steam and you're going to fight people. And then you're going to go against authority. You're going to do whatever the fuck you want. And you're going to go out into the world thinking that you have complete control over everything and that you can solve all these problems. But in reality, you're just this, you know, crazy drunk demon walking around town with no, no logic operating up in the brain. See, we're, so for me, where like the, t- the last point where he could have stopped. And I'm, I'm talking about the absolute last, like, hey, you, you're, you're doing too much right now. Walk away. He, he could have just not punched her. Well, not, before that was when they're in the garage and he goes to talk to her, right? The first thing he did was close the door, which I get why he closed the door. It was for privacy, we assume, but it also could have been like, a, mm. you're not going nowhere. You're, I'm going to make you talk to you. Because remember, when they were texting, she told him, I'm blocking you. She didn't even give him a chance to react past a certain point. She didn't give him that courtesy. And, you know, so he has all these, these things he wants to say, whether it's good or bad. Maybe. Oh, you think so? You think it's her fault? Uh, no, I'm not saying it's her fault. I see the observation. It's not her fault that he put <laughs> his hands on her because he shouldn't put her hand, his hands on her. But also, they, it, it, I feel like the thing like the, like with teen love sometimes or in their situation, it's like there's a uh, burn very hot and bright. And it was like, yeah, they, they were in love with each other. But when something actually, when they finally had something bad happen, they didn't agree, it was ugly. And she, you know, she didn't see that side of him until that moment of, hey, I'm pregnant. I didn't get the abortion. And she was surprised of like, why are you being so ugly? Why are you screaming at me? This isn't you. You know, so he went, he jumped right back into that in the garage of, I'm mad that you dismissed me. I'm not used to being dismissed like that. You're going to sit here and you're going to talk to me, whether you want to or not. When she tried to walk away the first time, he pushed, he, he blocked her with his body physically. And the second time he put his hands on ah. her and he pushed her. So he started with the physicality. She got upset. She threw, those, she threw the beer bottles down. He kind of blocks her way again. She ends up slapping him in the face. And he gets upset and he punches her. So they're both to blame to a certain extent. But in my opinion, he could have been like, why am I physically grabbing her? Because whenever you physically grab someone, it's not good. If I'm upset at you and we're having a conversation or an argument, you grab me. It is not deemed as loving. It's deemed as this is, I'm scared. I I fear that you might try to hurt me or cause me harm. He's desperate. He's desperate. Extremely. He feels like he's in a corner. And so, like I said, like it's all impulse. There's no logic operating in his brain when he's having this, this argument. Because anything other than anything that's going to get in his way, it's just going to be torn down. You know? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's, no, there's no stopping someone who only is thinking about their own success and not thinking about all the people that they're, you know, effectively destroying and killing on their way. Yeah, and he definitely acts as a hurricane because he pulls everybody in into into his into his issue, you know. 
his mother is ashamed to go to work and their business is being affected. Their marriage is affected. The sister, she's getting looks at school. So people may not want to talk right, to her. Right. She feels a certain kind of way. So it, it, it's that riptide effect, right? The, the, these waves that he's created, these big waves he created, they're rippling. And these small waves that are left behind are affecting his family, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. after the fact, but it's still affecting them while he's sitting. Yeah, he's in jail, but he's not getting his ass beat every day or whatever. He's, he's squared away. He's just sitting there having to think about what he's done. They're out here in the real world having to deal with that aftermath of what he just fucking did, whether he, you know, thought about it or or, or not, you know, and it, and it sucks because like you see the marriage and you're like, man, like I, I just want to hold y'all. I, I feel for you. You know, when she says, I look at you and all I can see is him. And I felt that I felt so bad for her because she was crying saying it like, I don't want to feel this way. You're my husband and I love you. But what just happened? You know, because Tyler really gave it to his stepmom. I mean, like, he really gave it to her. When he was like, you're not my fucking mom. And she was like, I am your mother. I I was I was crying with her. So I was like, damn, this is a boy that you raise as your own. You know, his mom passed. You know, you treat him as he's your own blood. I didn't know until that moment that that was a stepmom. You know, I did say, oh, she's kind of young looking. When I found out it was a stepmom, it made it made sense, but I felt so bad for her. And then he just kept going in on her of, you know, you can't even have kids, you know, that and it and it, it just it just hurt more because she's clearly hurting. She's crying and she is still there for him, knowing that he is hurt and it's not even about her right now. He's dealing with something inside of himself. That 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 takes a lot. Right, right. You know, and that's important to have a parent like that that can see that you're hurting and you're projecting it on them, but they know it's not even about me. You know, yeah, you're yelling at me and you're pushing me away, but she need me to pull you in closer. So like, I felt his parents, they tried at the end. They're like, okay, this is a serious issue. It's not just him flipping out and breaking the room one day. It's uh, okay. This is spiraling into more. What is going on with you? Like, we need to get you some help or something or, or talk to us. So like, it was just very frustrating. Cause I was kind of like, man, I want him to be able to, take a moment but i understand all that adrenaline going on mixed with the drugs mixed with how you're personally feeling about your situation with your girlfriend that no one else knows about besides y'all it was a lot you know and eagle got the be- the best of him and he just couldn't unfortunately control himself and the consequence i think it's a lot of like a lot of adult decisions that he had to make that he didn't know enough about yeah, he didn't know enough about listening to a doctor. You know, he didn't know enough about uh, what it's gonna be like. How he can juggle, you know, raising a kid while going to school. You know, he didn't think about his responsibilities. He didn't think about um, how his actions affect his family or his sister or his father, you know, he's only thinking about one thing and it's how am I going to solve this quickly so I can get what I want? You know, it's not the, he doesn't have the, the, the type of brain to make those kinds of decisions, especially if you're, being raised that way right 
Right. Even though dad at some point is, you know, telling him to work hard and soon all this can be yours, you know. But it's kind of done with this undertone that if you don't work hard now or if you don't do things now, if you don't uh, take advantage of what you have now and all the things that I've given you, then you won't have anything in the future, you know. And he's only 18. Yeah, your whole life ahead of you, but you're only thinking in spurts of what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen next year. You know, you're you're at this point in your life where you're thinking about, uh, I'm about to graduate high school, then I'm going to university, and then I have to do all these things in university, and it's like these academic goals one after the other. So it's a lot of pressure, and you know, you're not thinking about life after that at all right he he does have a lot of pressure on on him and i think that's one of the reasons why he starts taking pills well that that was that was the thing i I actually went back and forth with it was is he did he start taking the pills because he had a little bit of pain one day or did he start taking the pills because he was trying to escape from some small issue that happened and he didn't want to be present and and that's kind of what it was teeter-tottering on for me at first and then later on, we see, okay, well, now he's using pills for anything that's causing any kind of minor inconvenience, you know? And- right. Um, at first, it's just for the, the the shoulder. But, I mean, you get addicted to opioids, right? If the pain gets worse, then you have to take higher doses. Yeah. Then higher doses lead you to be <laughs> become more addicted. And so, you know, you're just going to steal your dad's pills and pop them wherever you can. Yeah, we see this seemingly normal, you know, teenage teenage boy. Well, not normal. You know, he's a jock and his girlfriend's a cheerleader on the dance. Seems like that's like that stereotypical, you know, thing. But you know, for the most part, he's a good kid. He, you know, does his, you know, uh, sports. He does he does the schoolwork. He calls his girlfriend goddess. That's that's her nickname that he gave her. You know, <laughs> and I I wanted to point that out because it was like Sam. What is Sam? I mean, okay, goddess, no what the That's hell? That's cute, Kevin. <laughs> Do not. That is cute. That's not cute. That is cute. That's a, that's, that's not cute. Like, oh, that's my god. It's like, oh, okay, that's that's a cute thing. It's it just shows how much he truly adores her. You know, like when when they check in later when they're on the beach and she's like, they're like, we haven't seen each other in so long. That's like teenage cove where I haven't seen you in four days. Where you been at? You know what I mean. And and for him, it, it hurts. You know, like. <laughs> I haven't seen you in so long. It's like, dude, it's been like two, three days. Like, calm down. You're fine. You know, y'all just haven't helped each other. And that's why you really miss each other. You know, but it, it's crazy how we see him go from this, this like regular kid doing his kid shit, sports and and, and, and school and girls. And then it's like, boom, he creates this life for himself of of hardship. You know what I mean? Where it goes from he could be a promising person to that's all gone and now you have no hope for the future and you're never gonna get you're never gonna see the real world again you're gonna be behind bars for for forever which sucks it's like you know his parents wasted all of this you know knowledge and and understanding and lessons just for him to end up in the system they've been trying to keep him out of his entire life of this you know school to prison pipeline and I feel for his dad thinking, okay, so like, what did I do as a dad that has my son here in jail? Because I must have did something wrong. Because damn, 
you know, it, it's just like a smack in the face. So that just that just sucks. But I I wish it would have got more of him in jail to see like, yeah, he's looking at the picture of her kind of like, I'm assuming he's regretting what he's done. But I would love to have heard from him like, hey, what did you think happened? I want to see what his side looked like. Like, did he see what we saw? Or in his mind, did that go a little bit differently? He didn't come to until he saw the pool of blood on the ground. Like, oh, shit. I fucked up. I got to go. <laughs> I mean, imagine yourself in that situation. You know, you do something like that. The only option is to run. Even though you know you're not going to run very far. And you know that eventually you're going to be caught, you know? There's no running out of it at that point. You're just kind of fucked, but you're going to try your best, right? There's that sliver of hope that they won't find you. I mean, a classmate saw you, dude. They saw your face. They saw your face. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get out of that. I don't care how much you think you're going to run. It's like, dude, we know... We know your name and what you look like. You're a black young man with with blonde hair. Like, don't you are easy to find right now? Easy. I mean, have you seen? You know, in LA, like if you turn on the news channel every day, there's like a a helicopter speed chase on the the 405, and it's always there's somebody who's like you know just ripping down the 405 highway or down the street. And then they enter a roadblock and then they hop out of the car, they hop over fences and, you know, they're, they're running and some part of them knows that they're going to be caught, but largely they're hoping that, you know, I can get away if I'm, if I can just keep running and I find this like glory hole path that will take me to, I don't know. Yeah, I'm really I'm like, you can cut that part out too. That's, that's a that's a stretch. That's a, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. <laughs> um. Okay. So, the last thing I wanted to go over, I want to backtrack to music. I even wrote this down because when I first watched it, um, a lot of the songs I was like, I lo- I love the I love the 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 score for this film. So a lot of the songs I already have it on my on my playlist and my and my thing. And so I felt like some of the songs, you know, obviously were to the tone of something. Maybe they, in, in particular, like uh, the Kanye West song, I Am a God. That song in particular, right. yes, it was perfect. It matched the tone of the scene. Um, the, the, when, when, the, when they started more so with the word over the, over the beat. I love that because it was just like it was building slowly. You know what I mean? When he pushed his dad and he, when his dad pushed him and he pushed his dad back and his dad fell, he was like, What you gonna do? And I was like, Oh shit. Oh, oh, you really in it. Okay. Like, there ain't no going back once you put your hands on your dad. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it. You know? Um, so, like, what, what do you think about the way that the director uh, strung in the, the, the music with the scenes? How do you, how do you think he played it? To be honest, I don't know. I don't remember much about uh, what songs were playing when. I do remember that uh, Kanye West song, I'm a God, uh, at the beginning of uh, the Rampage. Uh, Yeah, I don't really have much to say about that, Nia. Okay, see, I wish... 
I, I think they were good. I remember the music because there, there's what one, two, three, four, five. There's six songs that I knew that I that I picked out because the other ones I didn't know of. So when he got the brain scan, or when he got the scan for his his arm, they're playing. Um, it started with the intro for ASAP Rocky's level. And then it transferred to that him being on the computer and he was talking to his girlfriend. And uh, that goes uh-huh. into her her, uh, her song Focus, which is, is nice and sweet, you know? It's like they're texting and he's like this big paragraph, I'm so sorry, I love you. Like, I didn't mean it. And her saying the same, though, I love you too, you know? And she apologized. So it seems like they're good. And she's like, you know, I made my decision and her decision is, you know, that I'm keeping it. And she doesn't, he, he doesn't really react that well. And she's like, you know, I don't want to talk to you no more. I'm blocking you. And as soon as that happens, it's a Tyler, the creator song that plays and it's called I-F-H-Y, I fucking hate you. And it's just like, you know, like raw emotion of him just destroying his room. And you hear his parents, they check on him through the Uh door, but they don't actually, you know, they didn't come in and they're like, what are you doing over there? He just screams, I'm fine. And then he punches a hole in the door and destroys more of his room. And they they keep talking to him to the door. They're pounding on the door. And it's just like, I love the intensity of it. You know, like the music definitely helped guide guide it more and, and direct us as an audience of, you know, what's going on, obviously. But I just wanted to put that to light of the director did a really good job of using new artists now that are um, important to teenagers, young adults right now, I would say max to to age 30 of these particular artists and the songs of how they match the tone of the scenes. I thought he did a really good job about that because it it immediately jumped out at me. Every every scene where a certain song was playing, I was like, yeah, this matches the tone of what's going on. Or I hear something that's a little bit more like fast or bass. You're like, oh, something's just about to pop off. You know, like, with the him and the dad thing, it doesn't get worse. When I am a god came on, I was like, "Oh, he about to like beat his dad's ass!" Oh my goodness! So I was surprised it stopped short. I was like, "Oh shit!" I thought, "Ooh, but I forgot his dad had that bad luck. It couldn't, it couldn't get that much worse." You know, it's not a fair, it's not a fair fight. Why don't, why don't we? Yeah, I don't really have anything to no, say well, about that. I think you're the kind of, um, I you're the kind but of I think we should... like, "Oh yeah, this song was playing and da da da." So like, I had it already. <laughs> I was like, Kevin's going to ask. Well, if I had better Wi-Fi connection, I would have seen more of the movie right now. But um, at least we should talk about uh, the second half of the film. I feel like we talked a lot about the first. We haven't touched anything about uh, the the other it's part or I Alexis' favorite, story. I favored uh, <laughs> Tyler's story more. I'm still learning. Well, well, let's talk about. Well, we should talk about why you didn't like Alexa's story. You know, what was what was it about? Was it just okay, not as exciting? Or so I watched this movie with somebody else, and we both had the same feeling at the second. We understood it after it was completely done, but we were like waiting for like something to happen, and like it just didn't. So the first one, it, it also felt like it was like filmed by two different people, just because of how slow the second part was. So I liked how uh-huh. the first one was that they took it's it's almost about exactly halfway of, of Tyler and his and his sister, but his feels longer. It feels like I know him more of a character and I'm supposed to care about him more than the sister. 
But then, you know, thinking since I'm a movie person, I think back to, you know, the director probably did, it, did that on purpose to be like, to, like how the father is. The father gave most of his attention on Tyler. He wasn't uh... really thinking about the daughter. She's more of an afterthought, you know. So, and her, her, like her, soft-spoken, slow-paced, light-colored, you know, kind of like paisley colors. It fit her personality compared to Tyler's. It got dark as the story as the story moved along. You know, it was like bright, bright colors, you know, bold colors, and then the story turns a little bit darker, more undertones and shadows compared to light and poppy the entire time. You know, um, I would I would agree in saying that this movie, the structure of it, can really throw people off because it's really unconventional. You know, you expect a film to carry that energy all the way through the end. And all of a sudden, this film only carries that energy all the way, only to halfway. And then so you, you're left sitting watching another hour of this film. And like you said, you're waiting for something to happen. But nothing uh, is as uh, powerful as the the storyline or the last 20 yeah, minutes it, of Tyler's storyline. Well, I think it has its, its merits lay in the fact that what it's, you know, what it's trying to say or what he's trying to accomplish here is that even though we have bad relationships with our parents, um, we can repair them, you know, with Luke's story about how he doesn't talk to his father because he was a drinker and was a shitty dad but then they actually take, you know, uh, a trip to go see him in the hospital. And he spends his last few days, you know, admitting that what he did was wrong and that, you know, uh, people do fucked up shit, but you can at least forgive. And I think that's the beauty in the second half is that it doesn't really rely on this momentum. I think it's just more of letting you uh sit with different solutions or I would, it's I'm having a hard time conveying uh damn this shit is hard Nia how I, do you how do you do this it takes every me fucking usually, like, week? A week to make an episode because <laughs> like I write my synopsis but like I watch the movie I watched the movie one time all the way through, then I'm watching it a second time, and now I'm paying attention to, like, everything. The song that's playing, the lyrics within that song, the color that the person's wearing. I've, I've noticed... I've noticed this about... throughout us doing this podcast, is that you're very... You know, I'm a detail-oriented person, too, but... I think we can really get lost in the details and then all of a sudden we're just talking about like all the little things and I kind of feel lost. Oh, oh, Do you know what I'm you? saying? <laughs> a little bit. Like I'm I'm half actually I didn't really know what I was walking into. Oh, sorry. <laughs> with your podcast. So <laughs> no, I'm actually kind of really high right now, so I'm also having fun. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, so like, where did I confuse you? 
I think I just really want to talk about the the movie in general, and I'm having a hard time talking about it for like over an hour. So, you know, because I didn't because I was writing I was writing a movie blog too. I was writing articles instead, and similar to you, like I had a I had a structure to writing them, but it never like went into super detail detail. It was more just like what I liked okay. about it, what I didn't like about it, um, history of the director, so the style, that, and stuff like that. Also, okay, so in particular with indie films, low budget films, like there's like a certain circuit, you know what I mean? Like Sundance, IFC, like that kind of movies, right? Those movies usually have a lot of little details right, that right. make a big difference later, you know what I mean? And it's also. I think I'm I'm also I'm also getting thrown off by your your questions about if I were Tyler, what would I do in this situation or like how he could have changed it or like whose fault it was. These are questions that I have, that's why. So like when I watch like, a movie, you know, first of all, I'm supposed to get lost in this movie where I I forget I'm watching right. people pretend to be something. Right? So the guy who plays Tyler, he does such a uh-huh. good job of me forgetting he's a fucking actor. I'm like, yo, why would you do that? But I'm forgetting, Nia, you are not a fucking teenager. You are a grown-ass woman, okay? So it's hard to think what you would do at 16, 17, right. 18 years old. You're not that person. Your brain cannot think like a teen. It can try to mimic it, but you're not a teenager, not all teenagers are thinking about things so super detail orientated. Okay. And I, I know that for, for sure from when I was a teenager. My friends... Right. I feel like you're trying no, to really rearrange the movie. No, I, I ask questions with like, the questions. Talk about something and it brings something up. So it, I don't care if it's an order or not, honestly. It, it didn't matter if the order of it, of uh, the questions of like this happened and that happened. I didn't really care because. Other interviews, they'll kind of jump around too. They might talk about it in uh, order, okay. and then sometimes they don't. They don't. So I, I always, I usually go with the flow of the conversation. If it's going a certain kind of way, I'm like, I'm not going to rock the boat. You said this thing that relates to this. Now I'm going to bring it up because you talked about the music, and I was just like, I'll come back to it. I'm going to forget what I want to say right now, which is kind of the sucky part when you don't do it with somebody in, like in front of their face. You know what I mean? So like to have like a, in a certain kind of way because uh-huh. I, did, I did one of these with somebody but it was in person so like we were talking and we can decide how we want things to go but we didn't right I think I need that helps. too I think I need the visual of you because I feel like I'm just waiting for you to pause so I can jump in and then I feel like you're waiting it's, for me to pause hard. so you can jump it, it, in it is hard and it feels like someone face to face to know Okay, it's hard. they're about to stop talking. I know when they do. Oh, they're about to drink a glass of water. I have time to say what I want to say now. It is it is hard, you know, but mm-hmm. I try to get it to have, like, the conversation flow. But, yeah, like, I feel like that might be better. Like, I think we should just watch another movie and just talk about it instead of, like, you having all these things written down about you want to talk about the music or, or the syllabi. I think that's what's like that could be what's kind of uh making me speak in a weird and 
<laughs> yeah, I think it just I, doesn't I think, sound I think natural. You thought I was gonna just ask you like, you know what okay, I mean? like, what you think about the movie and <laughs> what was your favorite part and what character did you like and. Okay, so I'm okay. So I know. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah about exactly. Podcasts and articles that are just just like that, like it's like some Joe Blow whatever wrote it. But I'm trying to merge the two of like the everyday watcher who doesn't pay attention to something and at the end compared to the kind of snobby I watch artsy movies uh, all the fucking time uh, person uh, and merge the two so that someone could be like. No, not even, not even. But I'm talking about people that are like. Are you talking about people me? That watch that will watch and be like, okay, let's use Inception. Whether you agree with me or not, the debate of everybody is: is Leonardo DiCaprio is he stuck in limbo or is this real life? Right. That's that's the discussion everybody has, and you're either go one way or the other. I've had a conversation with multiple people, right, right. and they forget what the fuck that little spinning thing is that I told them. They forget what that is. They're like, well, what's that? And I'm like, oh my god, they had a whole scene explaining the fucking totem. Like, how do you not know? Uh, well, I think you're an, you're a fucking idiot if you don't know what the totem is. Yes, like, that's they a pretty it and they show big it a part of the of fucking times. movie. So it's like it's like Christopher <laughs> Nolan's like hint, 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 hint foreshadowing motherfucker pay attention to me like he does it a lot in his movies but he tries to not do it too much to make the viewer feel stupid so when I talk to somebody who I think is a smart enough person they're like I didn't catch that I'm like are you kidding me or I'll say something like these small details I pick up of like oh well when they're on the phone talking the girl sounds like a teenager but when we see her she's like seven that doesn't make sense to me. A seven-year-old doesn't talk like that. So me picking up on these small things like, oh, this mm. song played and the actor did this or that, it's because the director purposely chose that song to just layer the thing of, I hope you as a viewer are understanding what the hell's going on right now because I do not want to go into any in, into it in, in any more detail than I have to because it's going to be redundant and you're going to lose interest. So that's why I bring up small things like songs or... How do you feel about this? Or maybe, maybe even like it's like highlighting what it, like the actor scene, like the the lady who plays Tyler's mom, Catherine. She's not in the movie a lot, but this this woman was on Hamilton. I didn't know that, but she was in Hamilton, and she's a damn good actress. And they don't use her a lot, but oh, so good that that scene where she's mm-hmm. like yelling at. Uh... Ronald and it's it's a wide shot or it's a panoramic shot and that's something we didn't discuss either is that he uses multiple uh, aspect ratios in the movie he he goes I think even four by three for a second and then most of the film is shot in a panoramic Uh, I think it's like wider than 16 by 9 but you know the scene where they're arguing and the camera goes from, you know, it bounces between him and her. And then there's a moment at the beginning where they're arguing and they're standing at, uh, they're both at the edges of the frame. And so it's, you know, showing that there's actual you know, the physical distance is also an, an emotional distance between them and they're being torn apart. And then right above her, to the left of the frame, is this Im- is the the a picture of them married hanging on the wall together, 
And I love that little detail. But, you know, the going back to the uh, the panoramic camera view, he used that a lot to, you know, show how vast and wide uh, these people... No, it's okay, but uh, you, you are right. All right you gotta so, cut like, that like part out, saying, too. Like, I'm, I'm lost. You're like, you have, you're picking up on the details, Mia. You're picking up on, 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 the cam- on how the camera is. Not everybody knows about cameras and placement. You know, so there, they some viewers won't even notice the, the the difference. They won't notice the little detail, of, like you're saying, of the photo in the background. They'll completely ignore that and just be like, "Oh, I think they're having an art. There's a problem because, like, you know, there's some distance between them, and she's being kind of weird." It, right. it's, the, there's like a general audience for right that there's a general viewer that likes a kind of movie of like action horror, comedy, uh, there's a general audience for that, right? And if you go to artsy, people get confused and they'll say it's a crap movie. I didn't get it, you know? And then you have the audience where you have to kind of play into that, make it simple, uh, hold my hand through this whole movie. If you're going to give me foreshadowing, I need that same foreshadowing 10 different times. I need it shown to me. I need it explained to me. I need it in a song and I need a picture. I need all that together or I won't get it. You know, and when you give it to somebody, it's hard to make it when you give it to them that easily. Sometimes it's hard to make that movie good or unique. You know, to, to me, the movies that like stand out are unique or it's like, wow, they gave us foreshadowing so effortlessly that we just got like lost in the scene of the actor or the, the, the way the set was or the camera angle, you know, and this director, his that's the first one of the first things that popped out to me with this movie is I'm like, these angles are different. You you don't see all these kinds of angles and ratios stacked this much in a movie, you know? So I was like, I think this guy went to film school. This just because of that simple. I don't know if he did or not, didn't look into that. But it was something that popped out to me. And the person I watched with, they were like, yeah, these camera angles are kind of weird. Like, I kind of feel like I'm in the car with them. I'm like, yeah, I think that's the point. They want you to feel like you're in that room with the couple, the married couple, and they're having a, a, a issue that you can feel the tension and, and feel how separated they are from each other. You know, it, it that that's how I got in most of these scenes is... I feel like I'm in the room with these people and it's like I'm intruding on a personal moment and I'm not supposed to be there. But that's how I felt, you know. I don't know. Uh, I don't think the average viewer probably felt that way. You know, like, I guess people are like indie movies, they have an audience, you know. So if it's an indie movie audience seeing it, they'll get it, you know. They don't need all this shit to understand it. But if it's a regular moviegoer, they're going to be like, what the hell did I just watch? What did I just right, pay right, right, right. $10 to see? The first part made sense. The second part, what happened? I, I don't I don't know. They'll just disregard half the movie. Mm. I also don't think I've ever talked this way about film before either. Or like, for being this is the first time being on a podcast so i'm like unsure of how long i should be talking about a certain subject how in depth or how not in depth I to go like in it's, well you know one i'm not this professional person it's very strange friend. and two i don't think it it needs to be that structured it's what you want to say now if you had an expectation for 10 minutes i'd be like whoa kevin let's wrangle that in a bit 
and condense it to maybe a minute or two. But, you know, you're going to speak fully of how you feel. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I used to love reading movie reviews. I read them all the time. But what I hated was that it started getting to a point of like, I felt like these reviewers were just writing bullshit, the same stuff over and over again, using movie jargon. And I'm like, you're saying this you're getting paid by the studio. Uh, and I said, when I, once I found out critics get paid and how much they get paid and the bribes they get, I was like, I'm not reading a review because I hated reading a review and I go to see the movie and I'm like, you snobby motherfucker. It's, this is not how this movie is. This is a great movie. You're just being a certain kind of way. You know, they had a $2 million budget and they made this blockbuster film that did $30 million the first week. That's amazing. You're just, you're just being mad because they didn't do like the traditional movie route. You know, so a podcast like this or other movie podcasts that are out there, I like that it's like real people and they're breaking things down. There are some that are super simplified where they're like, oh yeah, I saw this movie it was it's like a ten minute podcast. Oh yeah, I thought this movie was dope. You should go see it. It has so and so in it. It's about this and that. Here's some wild shit that happens. Yeah, and that's fine because there's an audience for all that kind of stuff. So that's why I'm like, uh, I kind of want to merge the two, and and give a nice like insight of some people who are like just getting into movies, and they're kind of like, what should I be looking at and what should I be looking for, or you know. What director should I get into that I never heard of? Or what are some old movies that, you know, are good to watch? You know, let me hop on let me hop on that. So that's why the movies that I've done so far is not just new movies. It's new movies, they're straight to video mm-hmm. or only in theater, or it's um a Netflix exclusive, or oh hey, this movie that came out on HBO, whatever, or this B rated film that should be known by everybody that's not known by anybody. And you know, bring kind of like that kind of stuff to light, um, because I've had so many conversations with people. I'm like, oh, have you heard this movie or have you seen that? And they're like, what? Who's in it? No, they're not. I'm like, yeah, you should check it out. You know, like Death Proof is one of my favorite Tarantino <laughs> films, and so many people have never seen it. And I'm like, but it came to theaters. It came out in like 2007, and they're like, what? No, it's by one of his lowest movies. And I'm yeah, that like, movie isn't so very popular. Good. Like it, it's like especially like that second part. That second part is like true woman empowerment. Of we're gonna go kick some motherfucking ass because he fucked with the wrong people, and we we're gonna go get him. Like I, I loved it. I loved it a lot. You know, but but okay, let's go back to the second part of ways because you wanted to talk about it. So what about since since I don't relate that that relate, but. I wasn't the hugest fan of the second part or of uh, the sister's story. What did, what did you want to highlight on it or talk about about the sister's story? Uh, well, the biggest thing is that I think it really wraps up or drives home the point of waves is that, right, they're her second part comes after the, the climax or the crash, you know, the crash of a wave, like you said earlier. And now it's kind of like this calm, calm moment before another wave comes. And you're right. It's like a complete 180, right? Now it's like chill and it's kind of somber and the characters are not as loud. And you finally get to meet Luke and you see all the struggle that the family is going through slowly. And it just, 
is um well you can take wherever you want to it's it's your viewpoint of it like i liked luke's character i thought he was so soft i feel like he did he was a good job of like being masculine but also knowing when to be soft and knowing when to yield you know i i appreciated him i liked that he when she had said, you know, do you know who my brother is? And he kind of looked at her like, of course I know who your brother is. But as in like, yes, that has to deal with you, kind of, but not really. Your brother's merely a part of you and that's not your story. That's his story. Those are his actions that, you know, he has to pay for. And you shouldn't have to be accountable for that in that kind of way. I'm sure she feels terrible. As she tells her dad, like, you know, it's my fault. I, I should have stopped him. But I like how Luke kind of lets her, you know, kind of humanize herself again. It's like, hey, like, you deserve to be loved. You deserve to be cared for. You deserve at least a friend. You're not here by yourself. And that that's what I liked about Luke's character. I also liked of how forgiving he was because just because his father's dying doesn't take away from what his father did in the past, even, even with the apologies. So it shows you how sweet and caring Luke is to even go see his father, though she does kind of curse him to go, that he does go see his father. Not only just sees him, he stays there until he actually takes his last breath and he accepts his apology and, you know, tries to take whatever he can from his father in those last moments. It was, it was very beautiful and sad. Like, I, I felt horrible when his dad finally passed, though we knew it was coming. It still was horrible, but at least his dad got to try to right or wrong, and at least his son was there to be like, hey, I'm here to listen to whatever you may have to say to kind of rectify or, or try to apologize for your, your absence in my life, whether you deserve me to be here or not. That was very big of him as a teenager, especially to do, because he didn't have to. Are you kidding me right now? I wasn't paying attention. Kevin, you fucking suck. I'm going to delete this episode. You just wasted my time. <laughs> Did you really not listen to me? <laughs> I think it's also the fact that, uh, you're asking me these questions and I have what? no idea oh my God. Like, what I'm in for. And I'm trying to answer these questions like on the fly. You know, me? like every every word is coming out like one at a time. Oh, a I sentence. was like, I'm asking you slow. <laughs> <laughs> me, you know, like I'm. Oh, my God. No, it's because I'm fried. It's like, I'm only thinking about the next word. Oh, I'm not God. thinking about you, the whole thing. Do you want to record this later, Kevin, when you're sober? Where I'm sober, trying to take my point. record when you're high. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you didn't even prepare. You, uh, you I think you might day, get the same me. result. Get your shit together. You're not prepared. I thought I Dude, thought you were getting yourself into. You thought I, you thought so I had prepared. boring basic questions. No, 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 no. I oh I'm just not uh, Lord. <clears throat> here right now. <laughs> 
Yeah. And no, I just think it's a very it's a very complex film to talk about. No, and it's not like a normal story. Like, we just kind of like jump into it. Even the beginning of it was kind of like, okay. Um Right, you're 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 put into this this uh sports story, you know, like your typical sports story where the guy's, you know, looking for success. But then all of a sudden, like halfway through the movie, it just cuts cuts and then you're given something you didn't expect at all. Right? And so it's like talking about two separate movies in one. All right, and we spent the first hour talking about only one part of the movie, but I f- also feel like the second part needs its due diligence, right? Because it's the whole fucking movie, but we're having a hard time finding well, a way, way to way merge to them, films, merge like, them seamlessly. How that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and if oh no, oh god, whatever. You know what I mean? This film. And see, you, you're already saying that. You're already saying that. These two is films. the fact that. The contrast of of the first of, of his part coming in hot and hard, and her part coming in very like soft and gentle and whimsical. You know, it it was it was such a shock that to me it did seem like okay, did you guys make two separate movies, and and you decided fuck it, we're gonna put them just together and call it one. Because that's what it felt like. It felt like a, a complete shift, which it was, and I wasn't prepared for it because like my heart's still pumping from what just happened. With Tyler and I'm looking at okay, where is he at? Why are we not following his story right now? And we were focusing on her, but it was like nothing about him. And that's why I keep going back and forth of you know, does this have to do with like you know, like a play on the words? Is it on purpose of you know, of of the father not paying attention enough attention to his daughter? You know, kind of forgetting that he has two kids, not one. Because, um, like, there was a part in, in the beginning where Tyler has a meet and she can't go mm. because her practice is going to run later, got moved to a different date. And it's like, they're like, you can't just do it some other day or something. It's like, wait, what? Why can't she just do her own stuff when she when she needs to do it? And her world doesn't revolve around this boy at, at all. She's her own person. She needs to have her own identity. And that could have partly what the second part was about was her feeling like I need my own identity and do my own thing, you know, like her telling her parents, I'm not coming home, you know, like I'm with my boyfriend essentially. And them being like, wait, like, don't leave. It's like, no, now y'all care because you only have one kid left. You know, your other kid messed up. He's in jail. Now you have me. And, and now, now you want to harp on me and care about what I'm doing, but you didn't care before, you know? So I, I still stay with my original statement of I preferred the first act I wished that it would have been blended like you're saying more seamlessly or it made more sense it wasn't like the transition was kind of weird it was like a, hey what are we doing just like the beginning of the film it was like what are we doing like why why is this happening what am I seeing and for what purpose that's that's how her, her part felt at the beginning of the Really? So when so, the film first began, the like first as as thing the, we hear is heavy like as breathing. As soon as the, the opening credits roll, or what? It's a girl on the bicycle, which is the sister. And then it, it, it doesn't even start about her. It goes straight into him. And his, right. it's him and his girlfriend in the car. And, like, you know, like the, the, um, the camera's, like, turning to do, like, a 360 in the vehicle. And they're, you know, laughing, joking, whatever. 
it was the first 10 minutes of this movie didn't really have any real dialogue. It was just seeing like a day in his life, you know, him with his girlfriend, him with his parents, uh, him with his sister, how their relationship is, him with his friends and how they hang out, um, what he kind of does by himself, stuff, stuff like that, you know, and I just prefer the first part. The second part, I, I was, for the longest time, I was just like, okay, what is, I'm a purpose-based person, right? So I'm like, what is the purpose of this part? Like, what, are we just seeing what she's doing while he's going through his shit? It, it feels different being a sibling and, and that, that, that happened. So I was kind of confused. And like I said, the person I'm watching with, they're thinking the same thing. They're like, so what just happened? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I'm watching the same thing you're watching. I don't know why the director chose to film it in this way but he did and here we are so i'm trying to figure it out too and when the, when the film ended i was like okay i kind of see the point like we need to see like the daughter and focus on her we kind of got to see what happened with the family afterwards but because we got her story i thought we we're gonna focus on the dad for a, wi- a bit too and then we're gonna focus on the mom longer than what we got besides that scene or two between the two of them telling their true emotions you know like when the father broke down to the daughter and kind of told what was going on which I was like it's kind of sad that as a parent you only feel comfortable being vulnerable with your child instead of like a family member or a friend or something you know like I thought that was kind of out of character for the dad to come to his daughter of all people and talk about that kind of stuff you know especially for her age How? I think this is what we got to do. I think we got to watch a movie together. Kevin, you wasted three years of my life. Three hours of my life. Together. I got an iPad and an iPhone. Yes. We're, we're, hitting, <laughs> one, we're hitting 106 minutes right now. Did I? And you talked talk an hour before. That's three hours. Oh, shit. What you said you want to watch the movie together? You want to? I asked you if you want to do it over again. It's not like, wasted. No. We gave a lot. What are you talking about? Had laugh. Oh my god! Whatever, Kevin. We had, we had laugh. We reconnected. You about you know. me, you didn't even listen to me. We learned you, a lot about each other. You didn't listen to me. What are you, you talking you about? Wasted. You don't even care. Wasted time. <laughs> yeah, I am. You crying right now? It's my podcast and I'll cry if I want to. And I'm not watching this movie again. I watched You're it again today. You're crying because it's funny and it's No. Cool. <laughs> it's a lot. That's why I like watching it a second time. And I'm like, this movie was yeah, very emotionally watch pulling this movie on again. me. It's the just first too time. much. <laughs> Let's just watch a rom-com. Let's just watch it. Let's just watch like fucking. Uh, All right. Well, I'm still, I'm using this. I'm not. I'm not wasting this shit. I don't fucking know. Charlie's Angels or some shit. You fuck yeah, I am gonna chop it up somehow and use and use some of this. Condense. You're using this. All right. I'll not just leave the whole thing in there and cut out the Robert Rodriguez part. Use the it. shitty parts. Use only the shitty parts. Somebody will listen to it. They'll be like, oh, here's a two hour podcast where half of it is bullshit. (laughs) 
Huh? <laughs> so long where you were crying again or something? Yeah. Well, no. we still got to kind I of think, finish uh, strong, you have a so lot I have something to, to cut you. to sound like we ended on a good note. Um, so, do you want to do your social media or you don't want people <laughs> to follow you? Wait, wait, no. I was a question. I was a uh, my social media is okay. So let's let start over with a little intro. Oh, all right. So if you sure, enjoyed the conversation Kevin and I had today, you can follow him on his social media pages. Kevin, where can they find you at, and what are your handles? Uh, I'm mostly at just Kevin on Instagram, so at. Kevin okay. Q.T. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me yep, on this podcast today. We uh, unpacked a lot. Me. Thanks for having me. Thank you, too. It's so you know, weird that seeing Always you. a pleasure. Miss seeing your face. It's so weird. Glad we could talk. Yeah, but I'm happy for you That's and your travels. Fun. So just stay safe. I know, I know, I know. We'll see each other soon. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for being here. We'll try. We'll try. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Pineapple Reels. On the next episode, I'll be tackling pieces of a woman that came out this year. Actually came out about a week or two ago. And I'm going to also be covering Promising Young Woman right after that as well. Stay tuned.